person, God forbid, will spend all his life wasting his time and he'll walk away with nothing. That's the worst thing that could happen to a person. Episode number 104. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Elio Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. This week we're going to be doing Prakriyavos, the first parak mission number five. How to find meaning, running from emptiness. We're going to have a powerful parable about the milk and the gold, a great story about the Chafetz Chaim, and peace in your home, admitting one's faults. And now, Ethics of the Fathers, the fundamentals of Jewish faith and character development. So the Perky Abbas reads like this. Yosef ben Yochan of Yushalayim said, Let your house be wide and open. Treat the poor as members of your household, and do not indulge excessively in conversation with the woman. This was said in according to one's own wife, and how much more so does it apply to somebody else's wife? Hence, the sages have declared, anyone who indulges in an excessive conversation with a woman causes evil to come upon himself. He will neglect Torah study, and ultimately he will fall into Gehanim, into purgatory. So the Mishnah has three parts. The first part is how you deal with the outside world. Let your house be wide and open. The second part is how do you treat the members inside of your house. Treat the poor as members inside of your house. And the third thing is how do you treat your wife. How do you deal with the most important thing inside of your house. So Rashi explains that your house should be open for visitors and guests, people who are traveling. That's the biggest chesed. People who travel really need a place to stay and a place to eat. He also explains that the anim should be part of your household. It's better to have poor people and hire them than it is to pay for slaves and take care of them. At least if you bring anim, poor people into your house, and you pay them to work for you, so that's a greater mitzvah than having slaves. Rashi also explains that you shouldn't be spending too much speaking to the women of the household because you'll wind up wasting your time. You'll wind up not learning. And he brings the Avastir of Inasan, who says specifically you shouldn't be spending a lot of time with your wife when she's in the period of Nita, where you cannot be together. If you spend too much time speaking together and joking around, who knows what can happen at a time in the month where you're really not supposed to be together. And the Rambam explains that you shouldn't be spending too much time with women because it's man's nature to have desire for women. So he has to be careful. He can't be spending too much time with them. And Rabbi Yon explains that spending too much time speaking with women will surely prevent you from learning because you can't learn, you won't be able to think straight. If a man is thinking about women, he can't learn Torah. There's no way to have two thoughts at the same time. And he says that's true even by your own wife and surely by somebody else's wife. He says, Surely your friend's wife. If you spend too much time speaking to your friend's wife, your Yetzirah, your inclination is going to overtake you. And he brings the Pasuk in Mishnah that says it's stolen waters are sweet. A man desires another man's wife more than he desires his own wife. So surely he has to be careful of not speaking too much with them. And the Avos of Rebbe Nassan explains, what does it mean that you have your house wide and open? It should be open in all four directions, just like Eov had his house open in four directions, and also Avram Avinu had his house open in four directions. 
but he brings down that Eov did not reach half of what Avram Avinu asked. He says, Hashem said to Eov, you have not reached half of Avram's measure. You sit in your house waiting for wayfarers to arrive. To the one used to eating wheat bread, you serve wheat bread. To the one used to eating meat, you serve meat. To the one used to drinking wine, you give wine. But Avram did not act like this. What did Avram do? He went out looking for people to bring to his house. And when he found them, he brought them into his house. He gave wheat bread to the one who was not used to eating wheat bread. He gave him better quality. He served meat to the one who was not used to eating meat. And he gave wine to the one who was not used to drinking wine. He also built large lodges on the highway, stocking them with food and drink. And every passing wayfarer ate, drank, and blessed Hashem. And this is what the verse means. Avram planted an Eshel in Beersheba. And Eshel stands for, we know, Aleph stands for Ochel, food. Shin stands for Shtia, drink. And Lamed stands for Leviah, that he would escort them in and out. And the Rabbeinu Bachi explains why is chesed and tzedakah compared to a tree? Because just like a tree gives fruits, also chesed and tzedakah will give fruits. Not only in this world, but also in the next world. It's tremendous mitzvah to do chesed in your house. Now the Ma'aral says a tremendous chiddush on this mission. Let's go over it again. He's, the mission is said, And you should not indulge excessively in conversation with women. This was said concerning one's own wife, and how much more so does it apply to the wife of another? Hence, as the sages declared, anyone who indulges in excessive conversation with a woman causes evil to himself, neglects the study of Torah, and ultimately will inherit Gehanim. He'll go to purgatory. What is this talking about? He says it's a tremendous thing. You've got to listen to this. He brings a Gemara Bamatsia 59a that says, He who follows his wife's counsel will descend into Gehanim, just like the Prakiavo said. Then it goes on further, and Rev Papa said, Rev Papa had a kasha. He said, Wait a second. Don't people say, If your wife is short, bend down and hear her whisper? You should listen to your wife. So the Gemara says, There's no contradiction. One refers to general matters, and the other refers to household affairs. In other words, general matters, you shouldn't listen to your wife, but for household affairs, you should listen to your wife. Another version is, one refers to religious matters, and the other refers to secular matters. Secular matters, you should listen to your wife. Religious matters, you shouldn't listen to your wife. So the Maorah wants to explain. Of course you should love your wife like you love yourself. We're not talking about it. We're not putting down women. Rock if you speak a lot. You converse too much. If you speak too much with women, you'll lose the quality of being a man. And you'll wind up going after the physical world that is connected to nothingness. you got to hear this. The physical world is actually connected to emptiness. Because in the end, when a person leaves this world, he leaves all physicality behind. And it's totally empty. He continues and says that a man is connected to the tzura, to the form of things, to the spiritual form. If he goes after the woman, the woman is more connected to the physical world. The woman has children, the woman has to cook, the woman has to worry about the house. She's just more connected to the physical world. So if he goes after her, he'll wind up 
degrading himself. If he goes after her advice, he's surely going to fall into purgatory. Now, this is the Kiddush. Gehanim, what we call hell in English, purgatory. It's complete nothingness, emptiness. Shekach Morim Ashemosh Gehanim, because the names for hell are, for example, Shoel. What does Shoel mean? The abyss. Va'avdun. What's Avdun mean? Destitute. Vasalmos means like shadow, emptiness. So when we speak in the Torah about the concept of hell, it's not like you think. It means a place of emptiness, a place of nothingness. In Yiddish, you say gornished. Gornished, it's nothing. Your person, God forbid, will spend all of his life wasting his time and he'll walk away with nothing. That's the worst thing that can happen to a person. And that's what will happen if a person focuses too much on the physical world. Nafal Gahanam, he's going to fall into purgatory. Kasher Hatsura, the form, Nimshachas Acher Chomer. The spiritual form, the concepts of reality, the Torah gave us over the concept of reality and how we're supposed to live. What form are we supposed to take? What mitzvahs are we supposed to do? What conceptually are we supposed to do with our lives? And we have to always keep that on track. What will happen, God forbid, if a person doesn't keep them on the track? Then he gets pulled into the physical. But God forbid, he's not saying that women are connected to nothingness. He says like this, The woman's essential function is in the house. It doesn't mean she's connected with nothingness. But I don't know, but just the opposite. When it comes to the house, you're supposed to take her advice because that's her place. And really, she's supposed to bring the spirituality into the house. But in the other things where woman is not the essential, then he's going to fall because he's taking advice from someone who's not connected to the reality, to the spiritual reality. But he says just the opposite when it comes to the physical world. You should go after your wife's advice when it comes to this world. Rock the mili de Shemaya only when it comes to spiritual things. Shavada etza mili de Shemaya, spiritual things. Haish sora vaisha balas chomer. When it comes to spirituality, the man is the one who brings the form into the world. Man's job is to uplift his family, to keep their eye on the ball. Since a man sits and learns Torah all day, and his mind is clear, and the concepts are clear to him, he's able to overcome his physical and realize that this world is only 120 years. And if we do not keep the mitzvahs, and God forbid we do a veras, then yes, it's true, a person will go to Gehanim. He will go to purgatory. And purgatory means nothingness. He will walk away from this world with nothing. If we don't do mitzvahs, if we don't learn Torah, we will walk away with nothing. It's a very, very deep, important concept. And this is how he explains the Gemara in Brachel Samek Aleph that says, It's better to walk after a lion than it is to walk after a woman. 
In other words, it's better to follow a lion than it is to follow a woman. Why? Because a lion ain't no chinami, he can hurt you. But you won't be lost completely. But if you follow a woman in terms of spirituality, you could become completely lost because your whole worldly focus will be focused on the physical. Fixing up the house and buying things and getting a car and getting a new couch and getting a new, redoing the living room and redoing the dining room. There's, there's no end to it. There's no end. So if a man follows in those footsteps like a woman, he will lose the next world. He'll lose completely. And today, when I told this over to the nephew of Rav Adas, he told me that Rav Adas said, that Rav Yisrael Salanter said, that a person has to be very careful of rich people. He can't spend too much time with rich people, because rich people's whole focus is the physical world. The whole world is money and things. And if that's the focus, God forbid, lo aleno, a person will go to Gehanim. He'll walk away from this world with nothing, empty-handed. And the man's job is to keep the focus in his family, on his life. Rav Shimshon and Fireheart says like this. The Lushan in the Mishnah is Sicha. Sicha means not serious conversation, but merely idle talk and gossip. A man who truly respects his wife will have more to offer her than just trivial talk and idle chatter for her amusement. He will want to discuss with her serious concerns of life and derive enjoyment from the resulting exchange of views and counsels. In other words, man is when he speaks with his wife, he's supposed to uplift the wife. It's true that the wife has to speak about what she did today and what happened and what's going on. But man has to turn the conversation to spiritual things, that the whole household becomes spiritual. And the house has to become a house of mitzvahs. The house has to be open to all four sides, doing chesed. And even the members of your house have to be educated. And the wife also needs to be helped along that the man should uplift the entire house to serve God, to have a house of spirituality, to have a house of nitzchias, eternity. Not just a house that's going to last 120 years, but a household and a family that's going to live in the next world for eternity. And the only way we can do that is through Torah and through mitzvahs. This is the Masorah, the tradition that the Jews received. It's only through Torah and mitzvahs that we can receive the next world. And if we get sidetracked, we will lose everything, God forbid. Here is a powerful parable. Open your mind and help you reach your potential. brings a mushal. He said, one time there was a Jew who went bankrupt and he couldn't take it anymore. His family was starving. So he decided he's going to travel to Africa and he's going to make money over there. So what did he do? He started a milk business and there wasn't so much milk over there and it was difficult, but he was matzliach, he was successful. And he became very rich. After a couple of years, he gets a letter from his wife. He says, listen, our daughters have become of age. They need to get married. You have to come back now. And you have to bring the money with you that they should get married. So the man thought, what's the best thing I could bring back? You know, so he says, listen, I'm in the milk business. I'll bring all the milk back and I'll buy as much milk as I can. And I'll bring it back with me. and We'll be rich. So he bought all this milk. He packed up the ship. He loaded the entire ship with milk and off he goes. But just before he was about to leave, one of his friends says, listen, maybe you want to buy some gifts for your wife and daughters? 
Here you could buy these gold things. What about a ring or a bracelet or a necklace? He says, listen, what do I need this for? I have so much milk. I have so much money. When I get there, I'm going to be rich. But the friend said, no, you should buy them something. Buy them some gold, some jewelry. So he convinced them and he bought these presents and he also brought them with him. So it took him a while to travel, but it happened to be that also the people knew that this man became rich because he used to send letters to his wife and everybody knew that he became rich. So they're all waiting by the port when he comes. So he comes into the port and all of a sudden they start to take out all the milk and it starts to stink. It stinks, all the milk is rotted. And he realizes what happened. He said, oh my God, what did I do? I brought all this milk with me, but now it's all rotted. I can't do anything with it. So his wife and his children started to cry. Oh no, we're poor again. What are we going to do? His wife said, didn't you bring anything else? Didn't you bring any of the jewelry? Didn't you bring any gold, something? So the man said, yes, I did. I have a couple of things. So they were able to sell those couple of things to last a couple more years. But it was nothing compared to the fortune he could have had. If he would have filled up the ship with gold and jewelry, he would have been a multimillionaire. So that was the mushal. So the Chafetz Chaim explains, what's the nimshal? A person comes to this world where milk and cream and butter are good things, and he thinks he's going to make a lot of money. So he invests all his energies and his resource. He fattens his body with food and drink, never paying attention to the gold and the jewels right under his fingertips. What are those? Those are mitzvahs. It's easy to do the mitzvahs. It's easy to collect gold and silver in this world. So when it's time to travel home, he's ready to go to the next world. What does he take with him? He takes along to the grave a fattened body filled with cream and milk, just like the foolish merchant who thought that this milk would have value when he got home. And when he gets to the next world, they ask him, what did you bring with you? Did you bring gold and jewels which were so easy to acquire in this world? And all I can point to is the milk that he brought with him which has a foul odor, which means his body, and it's nothing but food for worms. But then he realizes, wait a second, I did do a couple mitzvahs. I gave a little charity here and there. I supported the yeshiva a little bit. I helped a Torah scholar one time. So it's true, he's going to get rewarded for those things. But it's nothing compared to the richness he could have had if he would have lived a life of Torah and mitzvahs and kept his eye on the ball. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. So one time a rich man came to visit the Chafetz Chaim. So they brought the rich man to the Chafetz Chaim and he's sitting there learning the Gemara. So the Chafetz Chaim says, please have a seat on the bench. So the rich man looks around. He says, listen, this room is not painted. There's no furniture in the room. There's nothing here. This must be the hallway leading into the Chavetz Chaim's house. And for sure, he must have a nice house inside. So as he sits there a little bit longer, he realizes this is the Chavetz Chaim's living room. There's no furniture. There's just a chair. He's sitting there learning Gemara. There's nothing. It's dilapidated. What is there? So we ask the Chavetz Chaim, where's the furniture? So the Chavetz Chaim says, well, where's your furniture? So he answers back. He says, listen, I don't have furniture. I'm just passing through. The Chavetz Chaim says, yeah, I'm also just passing through. Like the Parkyavu says, this world is just a preparation for the next world. The Chavetz Chaim said, I can't waste my time with temporary things, such as furniture. I too am only passing through this world. 
Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. Rev. Moshe Aaron Stern speaks about admitting one's faults. He says admitting one's fault is a great virtue and it's very important to have peace in your house. He said I knew it of Rech, who was having trouble in his house, and he would go to the end of the earth to travel to different Sadiqim and Kivr Sadiqim to get brachot, but he would never admit that he was wrong. And he brings a proof from Naaman, the Assyrian general. When he came to Elish to be cured from his saras, he had leprosy, Elisha wouldn't even let him in the house. So what was the point of him traveling there if Elisha wasn't going to let him in? So Elisha knew that leprosy was caused by arrogance. So he wanted to humble him. He didn't want to let him in the house. And he needed to be embarrassed like that before he would admit that he had some kind of arrogance. So it's the same thing by all of us, Lord Leno. It's very difficult to admit our faults. And sometimes we need to be shocked in order to admit our faults. It brings a Gemara that says one time, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah saw a child in jail and asked him, this was after the Chorben Beis Amigdash, she asked him, who made the house of Yaakov pray? And the child replied, Is it not because of Hashem against we have sinned? And Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah said, This child will surely become a great man. So the Brisker Rav explains, How did he know that this child is going to become great? He said, Because after the Chorban Mesa Migdash and the temple was destroyed, most Jews did not lay the blame on themselves. They said, It's because of this reason or that reason. But a person who can accept his faults and has the ability to change himself and then grow, he's going to become a great person. And we know that's the quality that Yehuda had. The fact that Yehuda admitted his sin with Tamar, that's what made him king. That's the quality of a king, to be able to admit his faults. And he said it's better to admit your fault right away than it is to wait. Because the longer you wait, the worse things get. The fight goes on. For example, if you lied and you don't admit you lied, you're going to have to make another lie and another lie, and the story goes on and on. As soon as you admit, then the story is over. Then you can move on. But the problem is it's very difficult. It's even difficult to the shock Paskins that if a person lied in one basin, we could assume this person is going to lie in every other basin. Because usually if a person's willing to do that in one place, he'll never change. And he'll continue to do it in other places. And we'd rather suffer than admit we were wrong. He brings a riot from Lot. It says that when Saddam was stricken with blindness, they continue to search for Lot's door. Here they are. They're about to do a disgusting thing and Hashem blinds them. But they continue, even when they're blind, looking for the door. Wouldn't it have just been easier at that point to admit they were wrong? Maybe they would have been healed. But not only that, one of the reasons we don't admit we're wrong is because we think we're 100% right. But it's not true. And he brings a proof we are never 100% right when it comes to an argument. This is great. The Rev Chaim of Brisk says, on the verse, it says, There shall not be another fight like Korak and his congregation. Rev Chaim explains, There is never a controversy where one side is 100% right, like it was by Moshe Rabbeinu against Korach, that Moshe was 100% right and Korach was 100% wrong. A controversy like that will not happen again. In other words, it's always going to be a 90-10 or 80-20. You're never going to be 100% right. And he wants to explain that's because we always focus on our good points. We don't focus on the other person's points. We're having an argument with our wife. All we're thinking about is our side. Are we thinking about her side? We need to think about her side. It gives beautiful muscle. It says, one time a farmer had this big heap of hay he was trying to bring in a barn, and he couldn't get it in. 
Along came a joker with a telescope. He said, listen, look at it with this. So he looked at the door of the barn and he saw that, wow, it's huge. Now I'll be able to fit it in. So fine, then he starts to push it in. It still doesn't work. So then the joker says to him again, listen, okay, look at, look at the cart now. And he turns the telescope around and he looks at the cart. He says, wow, the cart is really small. I'll be able to push it in. So he starts to push the cart in. It still doesn't go in. So a wise man came along and said, listen, you can't use a telescope in both directions. When it comes to your own way of looking at things, so you make that big. And when it comes to the other person's way of looking at it, you make that small. That's not the right way to do it. He says the right way to do it is just take some hay off of the wagon. Admit you're wrong. Admit your faults. And that's the way to solve the problem. And he ends off with Rav Simcha Bunim, who says, Why was a man given two eyes? One eye to see the positive qualities of the other person, and the other eye to scrutinize his own faults. And if we do that, for sure we'll have peace in our house. Okay, that's it for this week's podcast. Please share with your friends and please leave comments. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at globalyeshiva.com.